Hello, me six. Good to have you. All right. Abba, we are here gathered in your name. We are gathered as your children, seeking your face. We want to hear from you. So, Holy Spirit, would you guide us into all truth and understanding as we seek you and understanding and your heart through the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that we have your word, that it is full of truth. It has words of life, that there is a wellspring within it and there is blessing in it. And then, Lord, it is our primary way that we get to know you, to get to see who you are, the truth of who you are, and to fall more and more in love with you in your ways. So, Lord, we want to understand you. We want to walk in your ways. That's why we're here. We're gathered. We're interested in a relationship, and we want to know what you have to say to us. So, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Please guide us in all truth and understanding to illuminate our minds and, and give us bravery, Lord, to speak up, to share our thoughts and understanding uh, that we're seeing, that you're showing us, that we can help each other grow. We can bear one another's burdens and edify one another to godly living through understanding of your word. We bless you. We honor you. We praise you. We're delighted to hear from you. And we say you're welcome here. We love you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, just a little housekeeping for anybody who's new. If you're feeling led to share uh, on one of the verses that we're going through, if you could just in the embedded chat, in the voice chat here, put your hand up, and then we'll keep a running list of people who want to speak, and we'll call you up, and then you can unmute and share what you want to share. Wow! Thanks, John. No problem, Janet. I almost spit out my food. Romans 14. How about someone reads the whole chapter? That's only, what, 23 verses? Easy money. Who wants to step up? All of Romans 14. You won't. You won't. Easy faith bucks. I can do it. I'll do it. All right. Let me kill my Strong's numbers here. All right. So Romans Whoa. 14. I'm reading NASB. I think, Jason, you're using ESV, right? Yeah, but NASB is just fine. Okay. Judges will allow it. Now, accept the one who is weak in faith, but not to have quarrels over opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but the one who is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person values one day over another, another values every day the same. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and the one who eats does it does so with regard to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and the one who does not eat, it is that he does not eat, and he gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
But as for you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you as well, why do you regard your brother or sister with contempt? For we will all appear before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, to me every knee will bow and every tongue give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let's not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's or sister's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to the one who thinks something is unclean to that person, it is unclean. For if because of food your brother or sister is hurt, you are no longer walking in accordance with love. Do not destroy with your choice of food that person for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the one who serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and approves by and approved by other people. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the person who eats and causes offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother or sister stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is the one who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But the one who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Couldn't find my mute button. Weird. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, let's back it up to verse 13. Ladies and fellas, if you have something to say, something that is <clears throat> in response to the scripture, a thought, maybe a question, uh, something you notice, just put your hand up in the chat, like John said, just reminding those who just jumped in. Um, Romans chapter 14, verse 13, uh, Paul says, Therefore, you know, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. Rather, let's decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Rocky's already got his hand up. Let's go. Go ahead, Rocky. Yeah, what's up? Um, let's see. This honestly reminds me a lot of 1 Corinthians, where it says about talking about another believer or a believer's conscience, basically, about like about anything, not not just food, but in the context of food. Let's say I'm a fish lover. I love seafood. And, but if uh, my brother in Christ, who was like, just came, came into the faith and has a conscience that tells, that tells him or her, um, a, like a sister that came, came, just came into the faith, has a conscience that says, ugh, seafood. I, I do like seafood. Seafood, like, seems wrong to them. Then we should respect their conscience and respect them and not eat, eat that, that type of food, um, like in front of them. Instead, enjoy that food and, um, in private, where we can enjoy and enjoy and not make 
our other brother or sister who may be new in the phase or even uh or even um like has that conviction or a conscience um worries them about um uh, eating that types of food. Exactly. You know, are you willing to lay aside your privileges for the sake of love? Ken. I think I would like, <laughs> well, hello. I would like to make a distinction of the first verse. Listening to a lot of people talk about this, those that are weaker in faith tends to gravitate people towards a maturity level. Oh, you're still an infant. Oh, well, you're just a senior. Oh, well, you're just the, the immature Christian who just knows knowledge and nothing else. Being weak in faith doesn't matter where you are in that spectrum. It is what you are struggling with in your life. Somebody who struggles their whole life with an addiction can be a seasoned elder built up in Christ but still has a thorn in their side. And they are still submitting every day, hopefully, to God to be released. But just as I was speaking with a sister just a minute ago, sometimes God wants us to continue seeking. And there's a purpose for the seeking. Not in the stumbling. The stumbling allows us to keep falling. And when we fall, we're able to break off that dross. There's a purpose for that stumbling at times that we are to fall on the rock and be broken on the stone that builds us up. But, you know, we're fallible. And there's certain things that we, in our perspective, struggle with. But what we're called to do is to come and yoke, to be one heart, to be united, and encourage and build up. Let's get back out. So you're saying, and I agree, that being weak in faith, that's not just limited to uh, maturity and tolerance, meaning it's not just based on what someone can handle and their threshold. Uh, I, I can be in a mature place in one area of my faith, or even overall be mature and still in a moment be weak in faith. Uh, almost to like, um, you know, even as being a mature believer, I can still toggle in and out of that being weak in faith and being, you know, and giving into the flesh and not li living by the spirit, or I can choose to operate by the spirit, meaning uh, 
just because you think you're mature or see signs of maturity doesn't doesn't mean you're you're uh, not vulnerable to being weak in faith at any moment. We we're all vulnerable to that. A battle with the flesh is a daily thing. Um, so it, otherwise, you start to make these weird distinctions where it's like like what you said. Well, you're I I'm mature and you're immature, so I'm gonna I'm gonna treat you, you know, um, according to what I see. And um, I think there's just different levels the faith in different categories of our life. Um, but it's, it's so easy to just categorize someone as either mature or weak in faith or whatever it is that you want to call them. When in fact I, I can be mature one moment and I can be weak in faith the next. Um, Cause I'm frankly inconsistent. And uh, I think if I'm going to identify with anything, it's not going to be the level of maturity I've achieved, but the fact that I'm in Christ, that, that's my identity. You know what I mean? I don't walk around with a badge that goes mature believer. It's, in Christ. And that's just as available to someone who just came to faith. We're equally in Christ. That's our identity. Otherwise, you start to walk around with these, yeah, identifying with these uh, things that God doesn't actually identify you with. He doesn't see you as weak or mature. He sees you as being in his son. And that's your eternal position. So uh, choose joy is up next. Go ahead and then we'll get to the scripture. Hi, guys. <laughs> okay, I, I love this scripture because it shows us also that we're all students. We're all students. We're all, we're all learning. It doesn't matter when we came to the Lord. We're students throughout our whole entire walk. We're always going to be students. We're in the school of the Holy Spirit, I always say, and we don't, there's no graduation. Um, <laughs> so I love it because also um, it shows how it gives us an, an example of what love looks like on the, in the word is esteeming others higher than yourself and seeing them as like, it's okay if I may not like what they do, you know, within reason, I'm going to love them well, and I'm going to not eat that meat, or I'm going to not do certain things that, you know, I would otherwise do, but because if it causes that person to stumble or if it makes them feel inadequate in their faith, then I don't want them to feel that way because we all had a starting point where it was all overwhelming for us too. And something I learned too is unrealistic expectations, that we shouldn't put unrealistic expectations on anyone because um, it's just wrong. And the Lord that you know, the Lord has grace for us. And so we should be gracious to others and building each other up. I love that. Ken pointed that out too. Our, our, our words, our actions, our deeds, love is building, edifying. If it's something we say that you, we think that's going to tear somebody down, then we just need to zip our mouth and not say it. It, we should only be using our words for loving and there is loving correction too, but it has to be the intention of our heart has to be love. Otherwise, we should just be silent and be still and don't, you know, yep, always edify and build each other up. That's what I got to say about that. That's right. Regard others as more significant than yourselves. Easier said than done, but man, it's, a, it's the call on our lives for sure. I mean, just think about that. Sit in that for a little bit. God calls us to esteem others as more significant than ourselves. That's really, really hard. <laughs> Hot sauce, I believe, is next. 
go ahead, man. Um, yeah, so th- this um, part of scripture just, it speaks to me a lot just in this way because not only we should bring our, com- like, the, we have liberties, correct? And we have all these things in the world that may not, the scripture may not directly hit it where it says don't do this or do do this. But we also have to keep in mind, too, that we also need to be wise and saying, is this beneficial for me? Is this good for me to have? Or does this somehow edify um, someone else or myself? And I just want to bring a couple of scriptures from First Corinthians, um, two verses to be exact. Um, Paul talks about, he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And I also drop down to verse 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And right here in verse 31, Paul just hits it right on the nail that whatever we do, we should always, it should always glorify God. And that's the standpoint I want to take for myself is that I want to make sure that I'm glorifying God with the things that I'm watching, the things that I'm doing, how I treat other people and how I live my life. Absolutely. I agree. Galatians talks about not pleasing, uh, not seeking to please men, but to please God. And then Paul will turn around and say, hey, I'm uh, trying to be all things to all people to (laughs) please people. And you're like, are you people pleaser or not? If he's going to care about the opinion of of people, it's it's ultimately for the sake of Christ. It's it's a gospel-centered concern for someone else's opinion, not a self-centered one. So. Swords, men, good to see you. Go ahead. If you're still here, I think I see you. Yeah, there you are. It's been a while. Shalom all. Just to verify, this is Romans chapter 13, 1 through 14, correct? 14. The 14 14. 14, okay. Yeah, talking about judgment. How I... How I've always looked at this, how God showed me to look at it, was that you have to distinguish the difference between discerning and judging. Judging has the ability to condemn or punish, where discerning has the ability to understand and break down. Um, discernment is one of the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I thank God is my strongest gift. I love the gift of discernment. Because it allows you to see people. It allows you to look at people from God's point of view, from God's heart. Because God loves everybody. He is proud of everybody. Even the unbeliever. He loves the unbeliever. He is proud of humanity. But the unbeliever still has Jesus sitting at his heart, knocking at knocking at the door of his heart, saying, hey, you need me. Jesus, Jesus is standing there, saying that to the unbeliever 24-7. Just like he said it to us when we were unbelievers. And so to discern a matter, when you walk into a situation, when you discern something, when you understand something, you're using what is in Hebrew called chukmah, which is wisdom. And when you use wisdom, you're using God. So therefore, if I want to be a part of God, I have to discern the matter. I have to give love because God is love. 1 John 4, 7, 8. For any man who says he hates he hates his brother but loves God does not know God, for God is love. Therefore, the only way I can actually do anything 
is in Christ Jesus. And if I'm doing anything in Christ Jesus, I have to have love. Therefore, I have to discern. And I can't go go around pointing fingers and, and casting judgment when I don't have the authority first off to do that. I have the authority to discern and I have the authority to reconcile. The only authority I have of judgment is in Christ Jesus. And that's not happening right now. Well, big the big picture is happening right now, but, but we aren't giving it right now to do that. I'm not calling down fire right now. <laughs> and Jesus even said that. That's another thing. Peter and the rest of the disciples are following Jesus through a town. And Peter says to Jesus, hey, Lord, why don't we cut on fire on them? And Jesus said, I would have it that none would perish. So even while he was here on earth, he loved people. And he loved people even when he called fire down, even when he when he condemned people. But he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. And he says that. He says, I would rather you not be lost. And that's what it comes to. I am here to discern, to to bring the Holy Spirit, to bring put the Holy Spirit in the situation. Therefore, I'm going to discern the situation. And once I discern, then I'm going to go for reconciliation. And once I go for reconciliation, this is all done in love. Hopefully, the reconciliation is going to bring other people to a higher level of God. That's what I got. In order to partner with God, we need to discern. That's the key. You know, you you jumped the gun. You, you cheated. You looked at my notes, swordsman. I was about to kind of ask everyone, uh, you know, how we reconcile this passage with other scriptures where Jesus says, Hey, judge righteously, not according to appearance, or make right judgments. So there is a right way to judge, what which he's calling discernment. It's to evaluate according to the... I guess, through the lens of, of God's eyes. It's to see things the way God does and make appropriate decisions, right? Um, the kind of judgment here is to actually like stand in the place of God and declare someone as, I don't know, uh, condemned or, or whatever it may be. Um, or specifically, the context is not putting a stumbling block in the way of a brother. So that's interesting. If you read verse 13, it says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer instead like here's the other flip side decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother so you wonder how those two those are the two options and how they're different one of them is putting a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother and that's the kind of judgment he's referring to the other one is not judging and not putting a stumbling block in the way of someone so just you know kind of define judgment um according to how paul is here it's interesting the kind of judgment actually involves uh putting in a stumbling block in front of someone right and he says in verse 14 i know and i'm persuaded in the lord jesus uh, that nothing is unclean in itself but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is and so he's specifically talking about dietary issues right the actual dietary laws of israel and uh, you know like rocky brought up well, I personally am convicted and I, my conscience leads me to not eat shellfish, right? I don't eat shrimp. Um, I look at the Torah and I just don't, I don't want to. Okay, that's fine. But don't pass judgment on someone else whose conscience leads them not to or to, to, to be okay with that um, because that's not an issue of black or white. An issue of what is God laying on your conscience. It's no, we could talk about this later, but um now in the new covenant 
that whole clean or unclean seems to be lifted uh, if you look at the vision of Peter. And so even Jesus declares all things clean. Um, and so it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. And if you jump down to the end of chapter 14, I'm really just talking until someone raises their hand because I don't see hands. Put your hands up, guys. I don't want to talk the whole time. I do this for a living. If you go down to the end of the chapter, um, it says in verse 23, whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. So the point is, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. And then you can end up taking your personal convictions that aren't objective laws, and then you hold people hostage to that. <laughs> you, 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 you make that the standard and the expectations of people around you is your personal convictions that aren't objective demands in Scripture. Um, and that kind of judgment actually proves to be a stumbling block. In what way? Well, of our unity, of our love. Um, so I believe, I believe Mr. Enduring is up. Grogu, I'm going to be right back. You take over for a few minutes. All righty. Jack. Are you there? There you are. Hey, my wife just got here. She really has something to tell me. Uh, I haven't seen her all week. She just got home from work. Got you. So, Want me to jump to the yeah. next person? Yes. Sorry about okay. that. I'll come back. I'll come back. Yeah. Swordsman. Oh, I'm sorry. My tap screen's acting up tonight. Uh, <laughs> um, my thing is, and, and he was saying it just a moment ago. But I was also listening. I, I had Bible study tonight at my church as well. And and earlier today, I had another study I was listening to on the radio of Romans chapter 13. That's why I got confused. But at, at Bible study, the, the new pastor just introduced us, introduced the church, which I've been wanting to introduce. I, 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 I'm not the head pastor there. I just work there as a assist. But the head, the head pastor there, he, he just introduced everybody at the church to Hebrew. And started teaching everybody Hebrew, and I was like, "Yes." But anyways, um, uh, one of the things I wanted to say there that I that I believe I can say here is fence building. Rabbis call it fence building, or 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 building uh, protections from true sin, and that that's a big issue too. A lot of people say, "Well, this is a sin. This is a sin. This is a sin. This is a sin." Well, no, not really, not by scriptures. What is actually a sin? There's only one true sin that's not just going to stop you from going to heaven, and that's denying Jesus Christ in the first place. The sins that you call sins are actually discipline, saying we are going to better ourselves by not committing fornication. We are going to better ourselves by not eating this. We're going to better ourselves by not doing this. But those, again, are fence building to, to discipline yourself have a stricter diet mentality and way of thinking so that you can be closer to God. And, and I know I am probably went right over a lot of people's heads with that, or a lot of people are going to argue with me on that, but that's, that's the actual truth of it. The only sin you can commit is denying the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus Christ. All these other ones are to get you in a disciplined, respected mentality so that you are continuously respecting God no matter what. And, and that was something... 
that I heard him talking about and reading the verse. And yeah, now I'm going to shut up. Nice. If I can mute myself. <laughs> Go ahead, Hot Sauce. Come on up, brother. Um, I just wanted to say something that's very, uh, I was going to keep this one short, but I think it's just something I, I wanted to say was about verse 13 says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our, um, in our brother's way. And it just kind of like, there's just this huge example that I have. It's just like, if if I'm watching a movie and someone else is, they they can't watch that movie or it's like there's something in there that it kind of just um reminds them of like a sin or something i think it, it that's just a good example of us stumbling on another especially those in the younger faith as well who are trying to step away from these things and um one of the uh one of the pastors at the at the church that i currently go to right now he made a great example for it and he was saying that um for his wife his he wanted his wife wanted him to stop um doing the stop smoking a cigar or whatever before he became a pastor and he um he ended up at one point um he was doing it with his friends and he, he ended up just stopping um he just felt like convicted and he just ended up stopping and then a time later um to Two two people went up to him and then they were asking him, "How do we quit?" And basically, the message was is that the Lord had placed this in his life for him to stop, so he can help others. And if had he kept smoking and those people had come up, he would he wouldn't have been able to do help them out. He wouldn't have been able to. Um, guide guide them through that process from freedom from that because he didn't stop but since he did in god's glory he was able to to, he was able to guide him out of that and this just speaks to me a lot because i i know for myself there's some things that i struggle with and there's some things that i know like i have there's other people that watch or, or they they do those things or they play those certain things, but those things sometimes they don't um they don't benefit me. So therefore I try to stay away from those things. And it's just something that we have to be in communication with other people in the church that we do hang out and spend time with that we have to um not do those things around the other people that stumble, that that's their stumbling block. And again it's just sacrifice love and just respect for one another and just being caring overall nice yeah i believe we're in verse 14 next um jack uh just put your hand up to leave no he's here if you can hear me jack whenever you're ready to talk again i guess just put your hand up again brother Uh, go ahead, Swordsman. If you got something again. Again, my touch screen's acting up. Um, <clears throat> the reality is, we are not supposed to be stumbling blocks to those around us. We're supposed to bless those around us. That means if a person has a problem with tobacco, in the last example with hot sauce, or if a person has an issue with alcohol, then. And we don't, or whatever the level may be, 
I, I remember um, when I was living in Chicago, I uh, my first assignment, actually, by God, was uh, Pacific Garden Mission. I was homeless on the streets of Chicago um, when I was 18 years old. And I didn't sound like this. I, I sound like this back then because I'm from Georgia. Well, anyways, uh, I mean, I had that thick southern accent. Hey, y'all, how you doing? And uh, Pastor Green, big, huge, huge man, huge black man. Pastor Green, I love him. I love him all get out. And he, he said it clearly. He said, if one of my members had an issue with alcohol, I wouldn't drink a, I wouldn't drink a glass of wine. I drink a glass of wine once a night just to, just to get my system running because wine's a hell, a good for you and healthy for you. But if my member had an issue with drinking wine and he was coming over to my house, I would not drink that glass of wine in front of him. And that's the reality of it all. Paul's making it very clear. Do not judge anybody by anything because you, you're you in the same boat, as my mama used to say. You're in the same exact boat. You're having the same exact problem as the person next to you. The only thing you could do is pray for conviction. The only thing you could do is discern it. Hey, man, you're going way too far on that. You're not doing right on that. But those aren't judging. That's that's you sharpening that person or, or, or confronting that person. And a lot of people think confronting that person means I need to, oh, you're going to hell because you did this. Like like one of the pastors at Pacific Garden Mission literally said that to me. You're going to hell because you speak in tongues. And I remember I was 18 years old. I was scared out of my little mind. I, the man was about seven feet tall. And I was a different pastor. And he yelled at me in front of the whole congregation. You're going to hell. You're you're a Satan. Da, 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 da. That's not of God. That's not what God wants us to do. That's That has nothing to do with God. That's complete ignorance of what, what we're supposed to do. And, and that's what people do with judgment nowadays because they just don't know better. They sit there and they point their fingers and say, because you don't believe this way. Well, the only thing I had to believe is Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ, who, who is God, Emmanuel, became flesh, died on the cross my sins, and saved me. That's it. And then, because the Holy Spirit's in me, he's going to convict me and show me through his word and through his spirit what is right and what is wrong. And he's going to push me. If I'm truly in God, he's going to push me to do that more so. And if I have people around me who are of God, they're going to do the same. But nowhere in the scripture does it say you're supposed to point at someone and tell them they're going to hell because they didn't do something. Now I'm trying to find the mute button again so I can shut up. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so Ken, go ahead, please. Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, I see a level of this that Paul seems to address us addressing other people because that's where the finger first points. But there's also the point of where we turn it back on ourselves on that reflection of that person because a lot of times what we're doing is we're seeing ourselves as a, a dim reflection in the other person. And so what do we do when we see somebody struggling with that and going through it and it looks like they're just on their merry way? We get angry because inwardly it's like, I can't do that, neither can you. How dare you? And so the reason why I think a lot of times that this is first addressed as another person is because we need to circumvent back to ourselves. You inwardly need to be fully convinced of these things. What is it that in your mind is making you seemingly unclean to God? 
that that makes you blush, shameful. And, and you know it starts with a thought. You watch yourself do it. And it's a sometimes a really fast escalation. Of, whoop, there you are. And so we need to also remember to forgive ourselves in these things. And if we can if we can find that in God, so can our neighbor. Remember that God's going to forgive them. They are made in their image. If they're struggling with something, encourage them to be fully convinced in Christ. And so we, we can remove the sin issue because in Christ there is no condemnation. So we're not committing any sin that's going to bring us to hell, bring us to a condemnation of judgment. These are things that we need to repent of. They may need to repent of, but that's between them and God. If they are struggling with something, there could be a purpose. And sometimes it's not always about food, because, of course, that's the first thing, right? Because everybody loves what they love about food, and sometimes it's it's other stuff. It's the things we touch, the things that we have in our lives, the the objects that separate us from God. And sometimes people can call it a video game. Some people can call it so many other things. Relationships, the job itself, the money in the bank. What causes us to stumble? What gives us that pride? And so if we're fully convinced that these things are going to make us stumble, don't set that boundary right next to that sin. Set it way closer to where Christ is at. So we, when we fall, we fall into grace. And God can pick us up. We didn't do anything wrong. God can say, hey, you realize that was going to happen? Cool. Stay by me. Stay under my wing. So, again, I want to take this back to encouraging. Let's mutually encourage each other in our faith. Sorry, guys, I have multiple things I'm juggling right now. Apologies. And you're back now, Jason? Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, yes. So also what you can do, Fade, is like somebody just posted Romans 14, 14. You can read it off that as well. There's been a lot of fresh. fresh I give you that. Yeah, something I, I was going to say, too, is that, and I apologize if this has already been said, but we are called to esteem each other greater than ourselves. That whole idea of Jesus saying that we, if we want to become the greatest, in, at least now, as far as servants. We will, and he exemplified that by taking the form of the lowest of servants within a household, being the servant who washes the feet of, of people. Um, both the master of the household, but the guest. And so here, number one, the creator of the universe doing this. Number two, more on a human level, their their master, their teacher. 
um, doing this to where they protested. But um, he let them, especially Peter. Well, no, no, Lord, no, surely not. Not you. Um, but Jesus tells him, look, if I don't do this, you'll have no part of me because he's trying to demonstrate a greater spiritual principle here. And so then Peter grandstanding, well, then wash all of me. Well, you don't need all of you washed. And Jesus explains that in John 15, 3. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But it's our feet, the spiritual principle. Our feet are in near constant contact with this world. The world being the, the system. Or it's also exemplified as being called Egypt. And so the cleansing, the washing of the word to our feet, which incidentally, the high priest, or not the high priest, the, the priests of the temple um, wore no shoes. They wore nothing on their feet while they were doing their service at the temple. It was because they were on holy ground, just like Moses being told to take off his sh shoes he's, or sandals. He's on holy ground. Joshua being told to take off his shoes. He's standing on holy ground. So the direction by the Lord for temple service is you will have nothing upon your feet while you're here doing service because you are on holy ground. And so while they were out in the, the uh, court where the brazen altar is and the, the golden laver, before they went into, periodically do it, but absolutely before they went into the holy place, they would stop at the laver or for Solomon's temple, the molten sea, and they would wash their hands and they would wash their feet. And they would also have to change out their clothing periodically when they were doing the animal sacrifices because of the blood. So this is the idea that we are frequently washing our feet because of the, the filth that it picks up. Just being in this life, walking this earth. And so the importance that Jesus is uh, exemplifying, he says that you we should also do it too. And you have churches that do foot, foot washing ceremonies and stuff and not. It's an okay thing to do, but what he's talking about in the greater aspect of washing each other's feet with the washing of the word, exalting each other into God or exhorting each other into godly living and singing spiritual songs and and uh, scripture sharing scriptures with one another. So doing that, but oh, sorry, I'm a little scattered right now. Go ahead, Fade. You want to read the next verse first? I think that's 1414, 14, if I'm not mistaken, right? It is. Okay. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to the one who thinks something is unclean, to that person it is unclean. So, I'm not sure how it's using the word unclean if it actually thinks that something is unclean or something is not right. But... If it's using a, it's thinking something's not clean, that means that that person is not clean. Yep. Any thoughts on verse 14? Any connections people are making? I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. This is going to be, I think, a hot topic here. <laughs> I suspect. Nah, I don't. I don't see anyone in particular that'll make it a hot topic. Mm 
I'll read the next one again if you don't if you don't mind. Um. Next verse I think is Romans fifteen fourteen, I believe. Yes. Um, okay. Romans fifteen fourteen. Okay, no, you guys ready? Fourteen fifteen. Oh my bad. I'm so sorry. Okay. Somebody could Okay, there we go. For if because of food your brother or sister is hurt, you are no longer walking in accordance with love. Do not destroy with your choice of food that person that person for whom Christ died. Anyone have any special connections you can make to that verse? Romans 14:15. Yeah, why don't we explain what's being said? John, you want to speak into that or you do yeah, anything else? We can go up to back to 14 if we need to as well. I'll keep reading if you guys want. Now we're going to stop here and Look at these here. Yeah, we'll I'm not convinced in the Lord. No, Jesus I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not saying like now. I mean, like after we're done discussing, I'll continue reading if you guys don't mind. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't mind that at all. Go ahead. So I know, and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in of itself. But to the one who thinks something is unclean, to that person, it is unclean. Um, ceremonially unclean is is the or common is the other way that it, the footnote on here. Um, I mean, without going too much into a rabbit trail, as some of the discussions that have happened on the server here, back and forth, I guess we can focus on the latter part of it. Uh, but to the one who thinks something is unclean, to that person is unclean. Um, again, I can't help but want to go down to verse 22 and 23. I'm not going to right now, but it's this idea that we are convinced we are passionately convinced of this, and so if we have convinced ourselves of it, um, then we shouldn't condemn ourselves. Uh, so, and I, if I've pointed that out to people before. This is a case, and especially in 22, happy is the one who does not condemn himself. This, this is nothing about God condemning you, a person. This is about a person condemning themselves because of of their conviction over it or uh, and then when it continues on in 23 but the one who doubts is condemned if he eats so if you have doubt in your conviction if you're not solid in it then you're condemning yourself if you eat because it, eating is not from faith but whether it is not uh, and whatever is not from faith is sin and with the theme of it is is the dichotomy between the mature believer and this whole thing is the mature believer versus the one is called weaker in faith with the expect underlying expectation. Don't remain weaker in faith, grow in your faith. So you can uh, trans transfer into maturity or grow into maturity. And that's supported other places in scripture. Corinthians, both the books of Corinthians are, are a, Hey, come on, you should be in Hebrews. You should be, 
more along where you are now. You guys are too carnal. You're still on milk. You need to grow up. Um, and he's talking to believers. So in this case with, with 14, but the one who thinks something is common or unclean to that person, uh, it is unclean. Actually, from what I understand, unclean is, isn't the correct word. It really should be common. There's clean and unclean, and there's holy and common. Those are the two categories. So if it really is the word common here, it would be better said that. If it's not set apart, then it's common. If it's common, then it's not set apart or holy with it. But if a person is convinced that, then so be it. That's what they're convinced in. And then so for verse 15, for if because of food your brother or sister is hurt, you are no longer walking in accordance with love. Do not destroy with your choice of food that person for whom Christ died. So for those who believe they have liberty to do it, going back to the esteeming others greater than ourselves, uh, we are to refrain from those things because we have liberties, especially the ones who are more mature in faith. They, we have liberties. We walk in liberty and we can do things, obviously, if they're not blatantly spelled out in Scripture that don't do that, but are that gray area, that general thing, then we can take liberties. So if you're somebody who can have a glass of wine and you're not seeking that drunkenness, you don't have a problem with alcohol, but somebody else does, then don't exercise your liberty in, in front of that person that it can be an issue with. Even in the things that we talk about, where we feel like we can have liberty in some things, but then for somebody else, it can cause them to stumble. We want to refrain from that because we don't want that other person to stumble. Again, esteeming each other greater than ourselves. Now, does that necessarily mean this is comes back to 22 and 23, verse 22 and 23? Are we going to take that to, we're going to say, you know what? While my brother Bob here is around me, I'm not going to partake in alcohol, but I'm going to even take it up so far as to completely, even when Bob's not around, completely not drink alcohol. Or I'm, am I going to walk in liberty while Bob's not here? But while he's here in my presence, I'm not going to partake. I'm not going to flaunt it. I'm not going to have my alcohol around for him to see because that brother's had an issue with alcohol before. And I don't want to cause him to stumble. So that's a there's that whole other layer to it as well. Uh, let me see the hand. Flag for hand. Uh, Fate is yours for a comment or for reading? What do you mean? You have your hand up? No, I just came for reading. Oh, I gotcha. Read. No worries. Uh, let's see. You want me to read the next chapter? I think is 15, not, 14. Not yeah, we got some hands up to discuss this. So, Fritz. Fritz. Yep. So, I see a lot of freedom in Christ. I think uh, a lot of you know that. So, I mean, I really do. I see a lot of freedom. I have a lot of freedom in Christ. I'll be right back, guys. I'm going to get a drink. I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to use an example of, I'm going to say bacon. Okay? I have the freedom to eat bacon. There are brothers and sisters who do not have that freedom. So I understand that I shouldn't eat bacon around them because I don't want to be a stumbling block. But my question is, how can we teach those brothers and sisters? I mean, I know God is the ultimate teacher. They're not going to get anywhere without God. But is there anything that we can do to like help that along? 
so that these brothers and sisters can see the freedom that they have in Christ. Huh. Again, Definitely. without being maybe blocked. Uh, maybe a better question kind of within that is, should we seek to do so? Um, every time John says liberty, I think liberty, 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 that commercial. And yes. this liberty is um, just ringing in my ears because, I don't know, everyone's all about their their freedoms and, and liberties, and that's fine, privileges, and well, I can do it. And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Paul does say, you know, um, that all things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. And so th- the question becomes, if, if, if I see Scripture as teaching in the New Covenant, we it, there's a there's a freedom to enjoy these foods, my friend. Should I seek to convince them um, of a different conviction, or should I instead say, "Hey, uh, you might not be aware of this. Can I just share why I uh, see it differently?" And I'd love to hear your side. And then I, I think you should leave it at that. Is to not necessarily try and persuade them into your convictions or for them to do vice versa, but to present the data uh, honestly and, and out of love and say, I'm just making it a, available um, because I, I do believe there's more maybe, and maybe that conviction is there for them permanently the rest of their life as a good, as a good defense mechanism that God uses. Because, uh, you know, another question becomes, why does God give these different if indeed they're like from god and not just me convincing myself because you know why does god allow that that kind of difference in convictions and i I think each person is so different um what what someone else sees as a as a guideline and a rule and like hey everyone needs to do this and i go i don't know like in scripture i see jesus as kind of making a way for us to enjoy more more food you know i i just don't think I think it's out of no matter what my decision should be, what is most loving. If if I care about someone and I know there's more freedom for them to enjoy, I should at least make the data available and, and let them know why I believe what I believe out of love. And if they stay in their conviction or or um, you know, personal convincing, then that's fine. Um that's fine. We just want to do what is promoting love because john's been talking about this convincing and and um johnny are you saying that in this passage maybe i misunderstood you are you saying in this passage this is these are people convincing themselves that it is wrong or god actually convincing the individual that it is wrong for them or is it something else i was referring to verse 22 Uh where it says faith which you have as your own conviction and, and actually, when you look it up in the Strongs, it, it reckons to that whole, to thy, thine own self be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so have as your own conviction before God. Um, because happy is the one who does not condemn himself. Yeah. yeah. I don't see in here that's, well, God's going to condemn you. No, you're going to okay. condemn yourself in this if you're not following it. So you're saying the condemning comes from the self. Yeah. Are you also saying that the convincing is coming from the self as well, or is that convincing coming from God? You know, no, the I think it's it, the whole theme of this this passage of this whole chapter 
is people being convinced in of themselves this is bad where other people say it's for me it's not mm. and we're to leave one another alone interesting that kind of i've always read it as the the personal convictions of the individual uh-huh. are actually like um uh like sourced in god so that kind of presents an even different conversation if if these convictions are originate in the person and from their own personal conscience and and god is not leading that then then there are is grounds to say that uh, one of these sides is indeed correct does that make sense like in other words if if um if i've convinced myself that meat or uh, that shrimp is wrong and then you've convinced yourself that shrimp is okay since both of these seem to originate in the person's personal conscience without god being the source of that then i would have to logically conclude that one of them must be right and one of them must be wrong both can't be okay unless god is the source of both does that make possibly yeah possibly in this case in this case though it really seems like paul is saying for those things that are not clear Leave mm-hmm. each other alone. Don't cause arguments. Don't attack one another. Yeah. Be yeah. sensitive to one another and just go your own way. Be convinced. You, you're convinced that you could do that. You're convinced. Fine. It's not something that's clearly spelled out in scripture here. Leave each other alone. Have harmony. Love one another. Remember, show love. Esteem one each other is greater than the other. Yeah. And, and he also presents it in one stronger in faith, one weaker in faith, or one mature, one weaker in faith. You know what's interesting though is some people who hold to such strong convictions that aren't like objective laws in scripture, they think they are being loving by like forcing them on you so that your soul is spared. And they almost make it salvific. Like I'm I'm trying to get you to have my convictions so that you don't go to hell. You know? And that they're like really convinced that that's the most loving thing to do is to hold you up to their own expectations of themselves. And so it's so, it is such a touchy, touchy thing, you know, when you tell someone something different than they're convinced of, because then it's like, well, hold on. I don't like hearing what you're saying because I'm convinced otherwise. Right. It's like, okay, well, hey, we can go, we, we can still be in unity. We can still have love. If you're convinced of a, I won't bring it up, actually. If you're convinced differently than I am on a secondary kind of thing, we can still love each other and not even bring it up in conversation anymore. Um, you know, and sometimes that's that's the route to take is you might want to convince someone, oh, but but they don't know how free they could be. Yeah, but you continuing to present that information is actually causing more of an obstacle, right? So that obstacle between you and your brother is... is um, uh, or the the freedom you think you're bringing them is not worth the division that's resulting from it. Does that make sense? Um, so we really got to think about these things. It's not just like how this directly immediately impacts the person, but how this impacts our relationship as brothers and sisters. Um, and if there are certain hills worth dying on, and most of the time it's there's actually <laughs> a lot of the hills we think worth dying on are in fact not. <laughs> It's like build a bridge, get over it, go love people. You know, I am loving. I'm forcing my convictions on them. No, that's weird. Ken, you are you are up to bat. 
Another, and are we mirroring the same posture? Are we worshiping the same way? Or is my worship unique and theirs is unique? Being a purpose. Every perspective is so needed because in every world, everybody's different. And so as everybody's world is different, we need strengths from every weakness, and that strength only comes from God. And as that person continue, uh, contends with what they struggle with, whether it be right or wrong, God's going to make it perfect in their life. He is working them through salvation and their sanctification to glorification. Because we've already been justified and received his righteousness. Because this is a brother we're talking about. This is a sister we're talking about. And so if we stumble yeah. as the individual and we are looking introspectively at our lives and God's saying, hey, you now have this conviction, because then that comes from God. This is no longer the horizontal uh, brotherly love, but this is the vertical love from God. God says, hey, I need you to work on this. And there's a reason God has you working on anything in your life. Sometimes we want to deal with it ourselves, like, say, smoking. Some people don't care. And God says, well, this is what I want you to work on today. I'm giving you conviction for this today. How it is from the very first day that we come to the cross is going to be the same way every time as we humbly submit ourselves to God in any part of our life, whether it's 40 years down the road, 60 years down the road, or just a couple weeks as a new believer. We submit to him. We acknowledge the things that we need, and we ask him to take control of it, because we can't. We need to take care of the process until he says, okay, let's be willing to let this go. No matter what we between two hands, you must let this go. No matter you can't. I don't want to take it for him now. As long as we hold on to it, as long as we protect people on to it, He's going to be like, cool, cool. See how it works out for me. I'll be right here. And then we let it go. And just like the first time that we ask him to come into our hearts, we submit to him. No, we can't do it on our own. We're reluctant our need for him. And so we come to make a vision of what we are wrestling with in the wilderness. We just let it go. But as the brother, we stand at the corners of
That's important to bring up in the conversation. We're talking about brothers, sisters in this conversation. We're not talking about, hey, remove obstacles from an unbeliever, you know, your unnecessary convictions. No, we're talking about in the body of Christ, people who are already saved. We're not trying to save anyone through this. These are people who belong to Jesus. And we're just trying to relate with each other correctly. And part of that is, hey, why don't you get out of the way and make it easier for them to follow Jesus instead of harder? Whether you're adding an unnecessary expectation on them, right? Or whether uh, you're saying, hey, it's okay to eat this meat. And they're going, I don't know. Like, that really bothers my conscience. You know, because verse 15 says, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. Love will never grieve a person uh, in this kind of way, this kind of sorrow and distress that's caused by someone's actions. Love won't do that. It's to hurt. It's actually a negative thing. There's like a good godly sorrow for sure. Uh, but this kind of grieving, um, it's to, it's to you know, drive a wedge between you and someone else. And love will not do that. By what you eat, don't destroy the one for whom Christ died. And that word destroy there, I don't know what your translations use, but that word destroy can come off pretty strong. I believe it's kind of the same destruction we see in First Corinthians, <clears throat> which is to ruin. Not like ultimate soul level destruction, like going to hell, but it's to ruin um, the one for whom Christ died. Um, so don't let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Be spoken of as evil. <clears throat> we'll stop at verse 16 tonight. Any other thoughts? I believe Rocky's up. Go ahead, Rocky. Let's see. Let's see. Um, oh, man, I had it in my head. Just, uh, I got to really put it into process of actually writing things down or at least in the chat. But um, let's see. So, like, actually, um, you don't mind me going after uh, this other hand. I'm, I'm going to try and see it, uh, if it'll come back to me. <laughs> Go ahead, Fade. I think he was going to read, if I'm not mistaken, but we, we read the rest of where we're going to end tonight. Fade, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, I thought we were going to read another verse, but that's okay. We can wait till tomorrow. You love reading those verses, man. I do. Oh, Dolce, okay. Dolce. Oh, <laughs> my bad. You go ahead. We were on fit first, um, fourteen, fourteen. That's where we, um, we're gonna, we're gonna leave off. We'll start off with uh, verse fifteen, fourteen, I believe. The next verse. So we we read up to verse sixteen. We stopped at verse sixteen, and we're gonna close it off there for the night. So the next study will will continue at verse seventeen. But for now, we're just kind of talking about verse fifteen and sixteen. If you have any thoughts, I believe Dulce has something. <laughs> now you're good. Uh oh. Dulce, you might need to leave and come back because there's some audio issues. She knew. This ain't her first rodeo. There you go. 
Can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Um, God bless you. God bless everybody. So this is really crazy how um, we're talking. Well, it's not crazy because God is intentional and thank you, Lord. Um, so I, um, you know, as, you know, coming back into the fold and stuff, um, you know, I started connecting with people at a church. And, um, and so there were people that, like, I was really involved and then kind of just was walked away and then came back. And when I came back, you know, people were like, hey, what? I'm glad you're back. You know, it was it was great. And then they're like, I heard you were backsliding back. So I'm like, girl, okay. <laughs> and so I was able to share, like, what God was doing um, in such a short amount of time. And I'm learning about spiritual warfare and how, you know, just really kind of, um, learning about how the enemy operates so I'm not blindsided and you know stuff like that so I got connected with a believer and um she's she's probably been in church for a minute but I was like kind of sharing you know like hey uh you know this is what I was struggling with and stuff but look at God and so it started with wow praise God and one of the things that um I was broke. The Lord broke free, broke free from, uh, was I broke free from was drinking. And so, um, she was like, so it went from, I I'm so thankful that God is doing it. I see it all over you. And then all of a sudden I felt this heaviness and the, and, and all, so she went from, you know, I, she did, she was, I have a bar at the house, you know, and, but I'm not going to be a temptation to you. And so when I get to her house, cause we're still like hanging out and it was really fun. I, I don't really get out the house too much. So then it went from her to, you know what, you know what I kind of want to do. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm like scared. And she's like, I kind of want to have a drink. And so she asked me, you want to take a shot? The first time, and I'm like, mm, I'm okay. Thank you. Then she asked me again, is a believer? And she asked me again, do you want to take a shot? And I'm like, what is happening? And then um, then she asked me again, like, do you want to take a shot? And I'm like, bro. So I'm looking at her like, are you going to take a shot? And she's like, oh, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that it's like, it really, it's really not against flesh and blood. And like, it's really like the enemy operates behind even believers. And my heart was really saddened because you know, like I, I'm in love with the Lord and I'm, I'm on this like journey where I'm like working out my salvation with, with fear and trembling is happening. Where in like in the presence of God, I'm shaking. I'm like, Lord, I feel you. And I'm scared to open my eyes because you're going to be right there. And so I'm excited, you know, to, to, to share with believers and nobody's safe. Okay. Like, you know, I, and I'm realizing it's not, it's not, it's not people, right. Cause we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but you know, when you, when God is doing something in your life and I, cause I only see myself like a little curly headed girl from the Bronx. So I don't see what people see, but they see something in you, whether it's an anointing or whether they, they're like, wow, I don't know. And, um, so I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just encouraging if anybody has, you know, left some things and, um, just know that the enemy does not want you to be set free. And so he uses even us against each other. And sometimes it is like, oh, wow, you're doing that. You shouldn't do it or compare, you know? So uh, I love what someone said is that we're supposed to just walk in spirit and have discernment, right? So now I know it's like, I can't just hang out with anybody, especially when they say they're Christians, because they can't be a stumbling block. And the enemy will use 
literally anybody just for you to get just for you to fall back so anyway i just i don't know i just felt led to share a little bit but just um be encouraged keep fighting the good fight and we're supposed to just lift each other up and anyway i love you guys i'm sorry uh don't be sorry you brought up such a good point like you know we've been focusing on like hey don't be an obstacle and and put place your expectations on other people right don't don't hold them to your convictions but another way right to be an obstacle is to actually like tempt them into sin but with your freedoms with your privileges right and to actually be a stumbling block in order to like lead them into sin there's so many ways to be a stumbling block but um any other thoughts on verse uh what was it um 15, 16. I would yeah, like 15, to 16. say something about what she just said. Yeah, please. Um, so another thing that I'd like to bring up is, um, as she said, um, there sometimes that, as she said that, um, sometimes even if you hang out with Christians, they might not seem like the obstacle, but the enemy could be using them as against your obstacle. Like if people offer you say, Oh, here, want to take some, like want to take some whiskey or want to do this and do that. And if they keep pushing you over, you got to you got to eventually realize that that's not um, a Christian talking to you. That's the enemy talking to you, trying to get you to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. So, yeah, I just thought I just felt that I needed to bring that part up. If you're trying to break a habit of something, you're it's um, it's the enemy talking to you. If he keeps resisting you to do something, you say at first, oh, no, I'm good. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It's the enemy. If he keeps persisting, you you got to know what the difference is between um, the enemy and your teammate. That's right. Otherwise, you'll be dunking on your team. Don't need to be dunking on your teammates. You got to be dunking on the enemy. Hey, uh, Fade, you want to pray for us and end our time with prayer? You cool with that? Um. I could I could play I could play with I could play with you. I don't really know how to. I don't really know. Dude, you can do whatever you feel comfortable doing. If you want me to pray us out, I'd be happy to. But praying is you, nothing nothing more than talking to God. All right, you could pray us out. Okay. All right. God, just thank you for this time. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and just the. It's so cool how many people. You and the kind of people you bring. Just thank you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, continue to bless this group. Keep us from the evil one. Father, fill us with your spirit and send us out in power. Let this word settle in our hearts and change us. In Jesus' name, we ask for this. Amen. Amen. Well, all right, guys, we'll be back next Thursday. Romans 14, starting.